After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. And if you keep your Bibles open, we are looking at uh, these three chapters, uh, chapters 18, 19 and 20. We're going to concentrate on those first verses of chapter 18, but dip into the other chapters. So if you could leave your Bibles open there, that would be great. Research shows that year after year, the people of the world are getting more fearful. Anxiety levels are on the rise, whether it be uh, big ticket fear items like terrorism or those little scary cockroaches at home. We can fear situations, we can fear the expectations of others, we can fear rejection, failure, the future, death and a vast variety of other things. Fear lurks in our world. Fear lurks here tonight. Fear lurks in our lives. What do you fear? Who do you fear? Is there somebody at work that you fear? Is there somebody at home who you fear? Are there strangers, mysterious people that you fear. Why do you fear? The Bible has a lot to say about fear. The phrase that comes most from the lips of God in the Old Testament and the lips of Jesus in the Gospels is do not be afraid. And this phrase is often accompanied by the assurance, I am with you. Do not be afraid, God says, I am with you. Here in 1 Samuel chapters 18 to 20, we will look at Saul who fears. We will look at Jonathan who loves. 
And we'll see how in Jesus, our fears and our loves come together. But first, please pray with me. Uh, Gracious Father, thank you that you constantly remind us not to be afraid because you are the Lord Almighty. You are the King of Kings. You are the Sovereign Creator. And you are with your people and for your people. Please help us to listen for you tonight, that we might cast our fears upon you and that we might be transformed by your love in Jesus. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Uh, This extended passage, chapters 18 to 20, is often recalled for the relationship that exists between David and Jonathan, for the love that exists between David and Jonathan. But as we'll see, Saul remains the sole protagonist in these chapters. So it's to him that we turn first. Saul chooses fear. The word love is not used of Saul in 1 Samuel. It doesn't describe his actions, his relationships, doesn't describe him at all. Rather, we see that he is suspicious. He is jealous. He is angry. And above all, he's afraid. Saul, at this point in his life, is driven by fear as opposed to love. Saul's fear is not reverent fear, not fear that bows before God and marvels at his greatness and his glory and his majesty. Not that sort of fear. Saul doesn't even fear God because... He offends him. He he, he disregards God so much that he doesn't fear God at all. Now Saul's fear is self-protective fear that is focused not on God but on man. And as such, he pushes God out of his life. Throughout 1 Samuel, Saul has been fearful. You'll remember when we first meet him at his election for king. He's hiding. He's he's cowering. This man whose head and shoulders above the rest is carrying fear amongst the supplies at the thought of being king. A bit later on in chapter 15 verse 24, we read that Saul is fearful of his own men. He's fearful of what they will think about him. He's fearful of their reactions to his leadership. Last week, when he heard the challenge of Goliath, he, along with all his men, was terrified. Here, in chapter 18, he is afraid of losing his kingdom. He's afraid of losing what he thinks is his. He thinks it will be taken away by this young upstart David. However, we know that God has already taken the kingdom from him. A fortnight ago in chapter 15, verses 
26 and 28, we read these words. You have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king of Israel. The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. Saul's fear is misdirected. He's not afraid of God in any sense. He has rejected God. He doesn't revere, he doesn't fear him in any way. Saul is afraid, not of God, but of David. David's success and popularity threaten him and they frighten him. So he tries to kill off this supposed threat. Firstly, Saul seeks to eradicate his fear by throwing spears. But we see that that's not his forte. Then Saul resolves to let the Philistines do his dirty work. He he puts David into battle again and again against the Philistines. In, In a sense, he's siding with the Philistines. He's cheering them on, hoping that they will kill David. And all of this despite the fact of David's God-given victory against the Philistine champion. Against their best. And as the chapter proceeds, against the rest as well. Saul's fear is irrational. Why was Saul so afraid of David? Please look with me at verse 12 of chapter 18. In verse 12 it says this, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had departed from Saul. This is a strange thing because Saul wants nothing to do with God. Throughout we see that that Saul doesn't seek to be reconciled to God, doesn't turn back to God. Throughout these chapters, he's continuing to push God away. Saul at no point repents. The Lord has departed from Saul for the simple fact that Saul had previously chosen to reject God. And Saul continues to set himself against God. In these chapters, Saul doesn't mention God. Oh yes, there's one exception, and we'll get to that later. Saul doesn't pray. Uh, Yes, he is said to be prophesying here, which we normally associate with a prophet uh, receiving a word from God and sharing that with others. But this word can also be translated and used to describe a frenzy, a frenzy, like the frenetic loss of control he displays in trying to pin David to the wall with spears. Saul's fears lead him to this frenzied effort to control his circumstances, to control his future, to control David's life and death. In this frenzied state, he is playing God. Fear is driving Saul 
further away from God. His choices don't make reference to God. If anything, he is choosing to be godless. And so fear remains. Fear swells. Fear leads to Saul being angry, being deceptive, being manipulative. He has murderous intent. And we see that it climaxes with defiant enmity. Have a look with me at verse 29 of chapter 18. Verse 29 says, Saul became still more afraid of him, that's David, and he remained his enemy for the rest of his days. Hate is not the first enemy of love. Fear is. Because fear destroys our ability our ability to trust. Hate is not the first enemy of love. Fear is. It destroys our ability to trust. Saul's relationship with God, or absence of it, is reflected in the way he reacts, he relates to David, God's anointed. He has no love for David. I'm wondering if you can see the, the vivid symmetry between this Saul-David relationship here in 1 Samuel and the relationship that exists between the Pharisees and Jesus in the Gospels. The Pharisees are rulers who choose their own way. And they think that their kingdom is being taken from their grasp. Their fear of loss and their craving for popularity drives them away. Their fear of this young upstart Jesus results in anger, deception, manipulation, murderous intent, defiant enmity. They seek to destroy the only one who can save them. The only one who can give them this kingdom. They reject God's love and as a result, fear remains. They choose to be motivated by fear rather than love. Are, are we choosing love over fear? When you are fearful, when you are afraid, have you developed the practice of casting your cares, your anxieties, your fears upon God? Knowing that he cares for you. You see, when we hold on to our fears, when we focus on our fears, we align ourselves more with Saul and the Pharisees than we do with Jesus. Our fears can draw us closer to God and we can fall into his hands. Or our fears can drive us away from God. 
when we rest in God's love shown to us in Jesus, we are enabled to choose love over fear. Saul chooses fear. Uh, Jonathan chooses love. As Saul's fears intensify, Jonathan's love grows. Uh, The first four verses of chapter 18 can be seen as a summary of the events that unfold in the rest of 18, 19 and 20. In verse 1, we see that David has become one in spirit with Jonathan. Literally, they are knitted together. And we see that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. In other words, he's keeping the second greatest commandment. He's loving his neighbour as himself. This love leads to the making of a covenant in chapter 20. Where again, uh, Jonathan is seeking, and the words that he uses are unfailing kindness, like the kindness of the Lord. And he's seeking that from the Lord's anointed David. It's apparent that God is involved in this relationship. Unlike Saul, Jonathan chooses God to be prominent in his thinking, prominent in his relating. He chooses love. This covenant that is created between these two men is driven by love and selfless giving. I wonder if that's the nature of the motivation that is here in our relationships, our growing relationships with one another. Are we devoted to each other out of our deep love for one another because of God's love for us? It is only when we love God that we can truly love our neighbour, our spouse, our children, our extended family, our church family. It is only as we, we, we love God that we can love ourselves as we ought. Indeed, it is only in the light of God's love for us in Jesus that we can know our true identity, our our royal identity. At the centre of Saul's fear is this notion that he doesn't want to lose his kingdom. He doesn't want to lose control. He doesn't want to lose popularity, his position, his royal identity. Not so with Jonathan. Please look with me at verse 4 of chapter 18. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. His father is grasping for what he cannot retain. Jonathan 
is freely letting it go. If Israel are going to be like the other nations, as they desire, Jonathan will be the next king. But Jonathan takes off his robe and along with his robe, the other symbols of his royal position, he gives to David. In effect, he gives the kingdom to David. Jonathan understands his relationship with God and with the anointed Messiah. Saul does not. Have we relinquished control of our lives, the direction of our lives? Have we handed over our personal little kingdoms to Jesus? Or are we still grasping? Are we grasping and fearful or open-handed and recipients of his love? Saul has reasons to love David, but he chooses to fear. Apparently, it's not difficult at all to love David. The army, the troops, they are well pleased with David. The women, we are told, sing his praises. And by the time we get to verse 16, we are told there, all Israel and Judah love David. Mikhail, Saul's daughter, loves David. She will marry him. But her love and Jonathan's love will be tested. Our love will be tested. Mikhail will come through. She will help David escape Saul's clutches. Jonathan in chapter 19 will talk Saul down from his attempts, his desire to kill David. And he will declare David's innocence. Saul takes an oath in the name of God. This is the only time that he mentions God and he takes an oath in the name of God not to put David to death. But we know David's, uh, we know Saul's disregard of God. And so two verses later, he's again trying to throw spears at David. It is definitely not his forte. He misses again. Jonathan in chapter 20 has to choose between honouring his father And loving the Lord's anointed. Saul chooses his own way and continues in fear for the rest of his life. Jonathan chooses God's way, the way of love. 
There is so, so much more in this deep, rich story uh, that points us to Jesus. We don't have time to pick it all out. But one of the things we do notice in these chapters is we get the sense that David is doing his best to even love Saul. However, we know that David in the end will prove to be an imperfect king, an imperfect man. God wants us, as we go through 1 Samuel, to be looking for the promised one, the one greater than David, the one who will also be anointed by God's spirit, the one who will be subjected to temptations, threats and and plots, the one who will be the victim of murderous intent and defiant enmity. Yet he will stand in humility He will not grasp, he will give, give his life. He will not fear, he will love. We're looking for the one who has covenanted to love even us, to love us like no other. We're looking for the one who calms our greatest fears, who destroys our strongest and vilest enemy because his love is perfect. We are meant to be looking for the King of Kings, King Jesus. And we are meant to respond to him by bowing before him in in reverent fear. Fear that marvels at his grace. Fear that marvels at his power and love. And we are to bow before him in responsive love. How fearful are you? Can you identify a time in your life when you have been driven by fear? Have you let God love you today? Or are you subtly keeping him at arm's length and pushing him away? Have you accepted his fearless love in Jesus? The beloved Apostle John writes these words perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment have you experienced the love of Jesus that has taken all the punishment that you have deserved and will ever deserve have you accepted God's mercy and grace I'm sure many of you have. How is that affecting the way you live? Will you face tomorrow with fear? Or with confidence? Because those words ring in your ears. Do not be afraid. I am with you. 
choose tonight. Choose love over fear. Choose tomorrow to follow Jesus again and seek his love so that regardless of what tomorrow throws at you, you can choose love. You can live love. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Please pray with me. Father, thank you that we see your perfect love in Jesus. Thank you that it can drive out our deepest fears, our greatest fears, our fear of death, our fear of the unknown, our fear, whatever fear we have. Thank you that your love has been given for us so that we might love the way that you love. We give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen.